Hello, and welcome to Three Association, a podcast about compassionate, contemplative, evocative supervision for spiritual directors, created by supervisors trained in the Together in the Mystery model. I'm Tara Owens. And I'm Maria Tattoo Bowen. We're glad you're here. Now let's listen in on today's Three Association conversation. Welcome. Uh, we have a very special guest on the podcast today, uh, somebody I know very intimately, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm delighted uh, to be talking about the particular topic that we have today, but welcome, Brian Owens, my husband. Would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Brian Owens. I'm Tara's husband. You do a little more than that, though. I do. I do. Um, right now, I work for a, um, a cybersecurity company. That sounds all fancy, but uh, do the business end of that. Um, I'm working on my MBA because the business end of things have gotten interesting to me over the years. And um, primarily because of trying to support nonprofits and trying to create healthy nonprofits and it, with a, a strong foundation so that they can they can um, uh, perform their mission so in particular that's Anamkara so I I work on the the background all the the boring stuff I call it um, for Tara the the accounting and the finances and and projections and legal issues and, and all the things about how to make a nonprofit work so that Tara can go do the amazing things that she does well, that sounds pretty amazing too, actually, Brian. Yeah, it's quieter. And I don't mind it being quieter, Tara. And I have had to figure that out over the years that I, I don't I don't need to be in the front. Um, I'm perfectly happy providing the foundation uh, for, for the ministry. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a great gift and uh, a partnership that works really well and that I'm very grateful to God for. Um, so we're going to be talking today uh, about a concept that actually Brian and his studies brought to me uh, and then has changed uh, my life, my practice, my spiritual direction practice and my supervision practice, and then also shared it with Maria and that has made... And it's changed my life too. So <laughs> we, yeah. we really feel strongly that this is a wonderful topic to bring to you today. Yeah. So we're going to start with our free association with our topic, with that word or those words, capacity cushion. Uh, so Maria, what comes up for you when you hear the words capacity cushion? You know, I, I'm not going to lie. Whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. How about you, Brian? Uh, mine's uh, equally irrelevant. I think of capacity. I think of capacitors. Makes me think of a flux capacitor from Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time I ever heard the word, um, I actually read it off of uh, an article that Brian was reading. I said, capacity cushion, that sounds like a pop band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we clearly, all of us had no idea what capacity cushion was when we yeah. began. <laughs> well, Shall we, Brian, um, talk about how we came across this concept and, and where it came from from you? What is a capacity cushion? 
Yeah, so I was in an operations management or some kind of class like that in school and uh, for, for the MBA program. And we were um, talking about the, your capacity to produce. Well, I, I guess before that, we, we were, um, Tara, sometimes Tara and I just, you know, share the things that are going on. And so I'm sharing with uh, a little bit of the mundane kind of things I'm learning in class. And and I'm, I'm studying how to, uh, how to create efficient systems, right? It could be in a factory, how to uh, get a widget from one end to the other as, as efficiently as possible and create as many as you can in a certain number of hours, you know, that kind of math. Or it could be human resources. How, how do you, uh, and that's, that's what I more practically do at work now, is how do I manage the schedules of multiple people to keep them busy, but not keep them too busy? Um, and make and, and utilize, I mean, it, it sounds kind of dry, but utilize them as much as possible to make money for the company, but also not overutilize them or burn them out. So in these kind of discussions, uh, one of the things we talked about is this term capacity cushion. And the idea is that there's a, for a machine or a person, whatever it is, there's sort of a maximum run rate, the most that you can do with it. And, and out of the gate, you would think like, I'm going to buy a thing. I want it to do something to make money. I want to use it all the time. I want to use it as much as I can. But what happens is if you use it to its maximum capacity, you don't leave any cushion, any space, then you have no flexibility. And when anything happens, uh, you need to produce a little more or it goes down for a little bit. Um, what you create is a crisis. So if you run at a, uh, you would call it a zero capacity cushion, you have no margin, no space, then you're setting yourself up for an emergency or a crisis. You can already see how that starts to map around to, <laughs> to, uh, to our lives, right? Um, so Tara and I started talking about the, the, the mapping over, right? Um, what is it to run ourselves at 100% and have no capacity cushion? Oh. And what are the crises mm -hmm. and the compromises that we put ourselves we put ourselves in? Wow, that has such relevance to our, our conversation about supervision and managing our own ministries. Tara, I wonder when you, when you heard that, when you and Brian were talking, sort of what happened in you when you made this connection <laughs> to, to our ministry? Well, um, in the conversation, I, I did say, I literally said capacity cushion, that sounds like a pop band. And Brian's response, in all love and tenderness for me was, of course, you don't know what capacity cushion means. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you never leave one? Is that <laughs> right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> because I was not at that point leaving one. And, and actually, we're recording this podcast um, right before the holidays. Um, and I'm feeling that, uh, that push to um, live up to 100%. We live in a culture that says, fill your schedule 100% full, live up to your limits, seize the day, all of the things. Um, and I think I had really, um, you know, drunk that Kool-Aid. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's insidious how it gets in. Um, it's, it's, for me, it was not looking at my schedule and saying, what is my maximum capacity of directees and supervisees? Like, what really 
is my max. Um, it was just, I was filling time, right? Somebody needs, somebody wants direction. And, and so I give it to them. And as opposed to looking at what does it mean to actually sit down and think about this prayerfully with the help of God, but also just like, what's real? What is, what does it mean to take, like, that's the definition of contemplation that Walter uh, Burkhart, I think, said it's a long, loving look at the real. I had not d- taken a long, loving look at my calendar at all. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and so that had been sort of the discussion with Brian and I around uh, what does it mean, I think, globally as a family and all of our activities to live with capacity cushion. Um, margin uh, is the word that Brian would often use, but but also just a, in my practice, what does it look like to live and to work with with a capacity cushion, the ability to respond should circumstances change? Yeah, I just think this is such a beautiful concept for us to be able to to think about together. Because, you know, Brian, it really struck me when you said, if you if you don't if you run at max uh, capacity, then there's no flexibility and it creates a crisis. Like we do not want to be in the business of creating a crisis for ourselves when when more need arises, either from us or from one of our directees or supervisees. So that sense of having just a little extra capacity just gives us so much uh, mm-hmm. flexibility. Yeah, even when you were just talking about it now, Tara, you, you were talking about looking at your calendar and not just letting it fill and fill and fill, but figuring out what your capacity is. But also not only figuring out your capacity, but then how much cushion do you want? How do you come down from your capacity? Not yeah. just figure out what the most you can do is, but figure out the most you can do and then go to 80% of that and, and give yourself that that space. It's almost an echo of Sabbath, right? We're, we're going to- yes. We're going to give our spell ourselves enough room here that that we can breathe. So, Brian, tell me about eighty percent. You were talking about going down that much. Yeah, uh, well, uh, going down by twenty percent. So maybe eighty okay. percent. So if you could see ten clients in a week, and you're like, yeah, my heart can handle that. I can hold ten stories. I could. I, maybe you should be doing eight mm. and not ten. Because the day somebody calls and says, hey, I, this has gotten really big. I'd love to talk to you again. Or, or um, you get sick for a day. Uh, then, then, then you're trying to cram 10 people into less days. Or the, you've got a situation you have to deal with now, right? You have to cancel on people. And rather than create yourself a situation, live with margin. Then you have room to get sick. You have room to see that extra client if they, they need to talk. I think, yeah. And I think the thing that has been so helpful for me as well is that is thinking about and really reflecting that sort of looking interiorly around what do I need? um, What does my family need? What in terms of that margin and flex? So in some seasons, it's 20%. In some Mm -hmm. seasons, it's 40%. Like it's coming down 40%. It's one of the things that I've been looking at as I've been looking at the holidays is recognizing there are some things that our family values in terms of activities that we want to participate in around 
um, the holidays, whether that's services or, or rituals that are meaningful to us, or even just like making time to bake cookies together, like the things, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever it is, but that, um, normally what we do is just try and cram that in, um, and, and to recognize for my schedule as a spiritual director in this season, I actually have to come, my capacity cushion has to be bigger, not just to fill it with the activities, but also to, to maintain a certain kind of presence. Um, and I think that's the thing that has been one of the many gifts of considering capacity cushion for me is that it is about um, maintaining presence um, and the ability to maintain presence, which during a, a season where there's illness or a season where there's activities or a season of, of you know, you take up some additional education or um, those kinds of things, that there is an ability to um, cultivate presence uh, because I'm caring for that capacity cushion. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm, I'm just so resonating with this, with this situation of something coming up, needing to reschedule people and having nowhere to put them. That was, right. that what is what would, would happen for me, not infrequently before I knew about this concept. So and I, I've been working with that 20% reduction number myself. And it's just, it lets me breathe. It just feels so spacious and, and really like a, a very um, important spiritual practice for, for spiritual directors. That's extremely practical too. Another thought on the percentage or the size of cushion that you want. Um, I was looking through some of the notes from my class before we jumped on today and, and uh, I thought this was striking. So should you have a large cushion or a small cushion and how do you make that decision? Because it's not right or wrong. It's there's factors that play into that. Um, and the notes that I found um, is you want a large capacity cushion, 20, 30%. Um, if you're doing flexible work or custom work. So stuff that requires attention and, and uh, flexibility. If you, um, a small capacity cushion is if you want to be all utilized, productive and do cookie cutter work. Huh. So I thought, hmm, as a spiritual director. <laughs> want to Definitely be not cookie cutter. Known as, as having a custom personal feel or do you want to be known as cookie cutter spiritual director? <laughs> so let that help, uh, help you decide how much capacity cushion you want to build in. Oh, wow. Just wonderful. It's, I had a professor in graduate school, Sandra Schneiders, who really sort of taught me how to think. And she... But she did that by by introducing me to thinking analogically, you know, so this is and this is such a great uh, analogy between business and uh, our work as spiritual directors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's one of the gifts. Really, of, of thinking that way, but of, of encountering the world world analogically is that, you know, when Brian and I have a conversation in the kitchen about his schoolwork it can really change my life and my world and, and what it, and wake me up uh, to the ways that I might have been asleep 
um, and not really present to you, the spirit or to others. And really for our listeners as well, for whom this might be a new concept um, and for myself, because the, the tendency that I have sometimes is when I, when I see things newly is to then beat myself for not seeing things for not seeing it before. Yeah. Right. For not seeing mm-hmm. it. Did I, I didn't see it before. I, Oh, I'm terrible for not like I was not giving my directees exactly just the, all of the interior things that happen to us when we encounter something new mm-hmm. um, and to offer compassion to those parts of yourself that are going to respond yes. in that way. Um, but also to say, oh, but there's a newness now. There's a freshness. There's this opportunity to step in um, and to continually step in. Um, when we see the new analogies around us that help us as spiritual directors to be really self-reflective, to be self-aware and to also move into the gifts, the abundance that God has for us. Yeah, and I, I also think sense that spiritual directors kind of many of us tend to be kind of a right-brained crew <laughs> or an right. intuitive crew. And so we just sort of flow with it, you know, you know, say yes, whatever. But I love that this idea is coming from business because really if we have a spiritual direction ministry, we also have a business. And, and I think many people are loath to acknowledge that, but it does allow us then to make some really uh, logical, rational kinds of decisions about how we manage our ministry. And then, gosh, that, that just seems so supportive of ourselves. And if we can support ourselves and care for ourselves, then we can care for others better. And I, I'm still thinking about the whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was just right in my mind. <laughs> I, I, I am, I, I, it's funny, but it's also because that's one of the other gifts of capacity cushion is play. Exactly. Exactly. Like is the ability to have fun to, I mean, I, we live in a world where I think every spiritual director could have every hour of their day filled right now in terms of the need that's out there. Yeah. Um, I, I know I have dear friends who are therapists and they have, they are not taking on people. They have no room. Um, and to recognize um, we tend to get oriented towards filling a need instead of living in the kind of spaciousness um, that allows us to have fun with the calling that we have and, and to make space for God to be God and for us to be playful um, and not that cookie cutter as Brian, you were talking about, but, but really is that play is so individual as well. Um, what is fun to one person is not fun to another person. And, and it allows for a spaciousness of self-discovery and relationship with God. It really does. And it strikes me that, you know, in terms of, of getting there, those of us who've been um, kind of oriented toward filling every hour uh, might need a way to kind of un- unwind that. And I wonder whether that even the concept of fasting um, might be helpful there 
you know, to fast from over, over anything, overworking, overeating, over whatever else it is, consuming. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like it fits really well in this, in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, another business idea that I, I see being relevant here is there's a, a business growth model of, of how things start and, and, and then mature. So the, the, the kind of four stages are that there's survival. So you're just trying to start something, trying to get any kind of business you can. And then you hit this growth spike where now stuff's just coming in at you so fast that you, you're trying to now manage volume. And then that develops into a maturity, which is like a steady state where you're like, okay, now I got it. And that can go into decline and we'll get into that. But uh, wh why that's relevant is if you're helping to train new spiritual directors, they're trying to start some type of practice, they're going to be going through a curve like that. So at the mm. beginning, they're going to feel a lack. They're going to say, wow, I've got two clients this month and I really want to be doing this though. And I wish I had three and, and, and you get in this sort of hunger for more, um, you know, it'd be business, but in the business sense, but more clients and, and that can be when it starts to turn into growth, if you don't recognize it, that's where your capacity cushion gets eaten. You just are so excited to get every new person and to help every new and every new opportunity that you don't recognize that it's time it's time to put a cap on it because you spent so much energy trying to build it. Like every yeah. thought could be for years is how do I build this thing? And it's it's a complete reversal to stop saying it's time to stop building it and it's time to start go, leveling it out and controlling the growth that's going on. And that, that can be really hard to recognize and, 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 and eat away all your cushion. <laughs> oh, I'm here to say, yes, it can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really insightful, Brian. Thank you for sharing that. It feels like, feels like that and capacity cushion needs to be kind of integrated into spiritual direction training programs and super yeah, you feel like it's never going to happen when you're in survival <clears throat> you're like, right. i can't imagine having like <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and so since you can't imagine it you don't recognize it when it starts to happen mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing about a lot of the things that we've been talking about on three association is that they involve a holy imagination and part of why we want to bring these concepts to people um, whether it's talking about dual roles or it's talking about capacity cushion, like is to develop an imagination for something other than what we see right away. Um, and to develop that um, using all of these beautiful analogies that are happening around us um, in a variety of ways. And uh, we can be drawn to the very organic, but we can also be drawn to the business analogies that really help us um, as directors, as those who are training directors, as those who are in supervision, um, turn another lens on our practice. And um, one of the things that I think that is so great about supervision is that we can be talking about an individual session with a directee and, and having a movement of freedom within that particular session, uh, around that particular session, but we can also bring the entirety of our practice to supervision. Yeah. The whole of like, what does it look like to, to regularly say, this is what my practice looks like and bring that to supervision. Um, the, the particular matters a whole lot, but 
but also the the sort of global sense of of who am I as a director and what does my practice look like and what do I long for and where where might God be moving and all of that is another gift of supervision, I think, um, that sure we don't talk is. about as much. Yeah, it sure is. I do that a lot, actually, with my supervisor and, and partly because I am at the place where I'm full and I, I'm discerning, you know, kind of how much capacity to, to mm-hmm. leave um, fallow. It's kind mm-hmm. of... Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Strikes me that there's some trust involved here too. You know, that sense of moving, you know, working hard and trying to build, build, build. It's such a different energy than saying, you know, I'm not going to fill that space. Like that, there's kind of this gap that's there mm-hmm. and one is, it invites one to some trust, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, such a beautiful movement of that as we begin as directors we're learning to trust ourselves and god that we are enough in the room that there is this spaciousness of um god has called us to this mm-hmm. um and then as things grow there's a there's this invitation to trust the stopping to trust um the release of it and and i think we are we are trusting we are releasing our directees to god as we begin to learn the practices of spiritual direction and then that it's just a trust upon trust that we are invited to in a over and over again yeah yeah so brian is there anything else that you can think of from the business world that might help us navigate our ministries of spiritual direction and supervision Probably. I think um, it's been a slow turn for me into the into the business world. I I, I um I sort of had a distaste for it because I, I mm-hmm. mapped business as dollars, and I, I more now map business into uh, a solid foundation to work off of. Oh, uh, grounding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so with, with that in mind, there's lots that applies. Um, and this is just a couple things that we've talked about today, but it's, it, it's how, how do you think through the rhythms of your life, the patterns that you have and produce something that's sustainable and sure in a like capitalist system, sustainable might be equal to money, like profit. But uh, I, I work a lot with nonprofits. Uh, I'm on the board of a couple. I've worked have most of my careers in nonprofits. The, the business foundation is not to create profit. It's to, to create a foundation to produce what we produce, which, yeah. which is um, uh, lives that are closer to God and, and good in the world and social justice or whatever it is. That, that, that's the output of it. And the, the foundations of how you, you operate uh, in, in, a, in the business world, are, they're, they're kind of the same. It's stable is stable. So how do you produce stable for good and not just for dollars? Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming to, to be with us. I wonder, um, Tara, as we move toward closure, whether you might want to share some um, experience of supervision that has uh, touched you. 
Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this. It came to mind today. Uh, and I think in, in one of our podcasts, we're going to talk about the experience circle or um, make reference to it. Um, but I was thinking about a time um, that I sought out supervision. It was actually um, as I was leading a residency, I was teaching, I was doing spiritual direction, and we had a supervisor there. Um, and so it wasn't my regularly scheduled supervision. Um, it was this, I had something going on in me and I couldn't put words to it. And I came to supervision and was sort of wrestling with that. And, and my, my supervisor made just a couple of, of observations that brought what I was experiencing into the communal structural arena. Oh. And suddenly there was freedom for me. Um, it was not like there was just, I, I remember, and it, uh, Brian might even remember because I came home from that particular event just bubbling with, um, oh, this is happening in my life. And this thing is like, it, it's communal structural and it doesn't have to do with me. Like it's this not is, personal. It's not personal. <laughs> yes. and, and, and there were things to adjust in relation to that reality. But I, the, the freedom of moving something into it like, and seeing that God was moving in it in a different arena um, was revolutionary really. And it's yeah. still one of those supervision sessions that I continue to come back to it if the, of this just little switch to consider this might be happening in a different are arena too, um, that just produced huge amounts of freedom. And, um, you know, as I, I thought about it, I, I wasn't sure how it would connect to our topic today, but it feels like, like this communal structural arena of business, yeah. uh, you know, th there's so much freedom to be had when we open up our awareness to all the arenas of experience and that supervision experience, having a supervisor who was willing and able uh, to just move me just a little to help with this, yeah. like the work of the spirit produced just freedom upon freedom for me. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I, th I think perhaps the, the connection there is the uh, being aware of the context in which you're doing the work that you're doing. And, and seeing that differently, uh, developing that intentionally, uh, it, it changes the, the tone and the nature of, of the work that you do. It really does. And, and Tara, your sharing really um, kind of sets us up for uh, a podcast on the experience circle, which is really exciting too. So we have something Yay. to look forward to there. Well, thank you, Brian, for being with us. Yes, uh, thanks, Brian. Thank thanks. you. And thank you, friends, for listening. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us for today's Three Association Conversation. This and every Three Association episode can be found at threeassociation.com, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast feed. We appreciate you being with us. Please feel free to forward this or any three association conversation to those who might benefit. Blessings on your life and ministry.